And anybody in here that's doing anything wrong for money, keep doing it. <laughs> What's up, world, and welcome back to the Vibes and Stuff podcast, where hip-hop heads discuss hip-hop topics. On today's episode, we'll first discuss what our yearly wrap-ups from our digital streaming platforms revealed about our music tastes. We'll touch on the blowback from the Childish Gambino album cover drama. And we'll dive into the Grammy nominations for the best rap album of the previous year and discuss which rap album we feel should win and which album feel will win. We'll also touch on KRS-One's declining on performing at the celebration for the 50th anniversary of hip-hop sponsored by the Grammys. Then we'll dive into the D1 conversation and touch on his efforts to bring about more change and balance to the content of hip-hop music released today by our more mainstream artists. Does he have a point in calling out certain rappers or is he cloud chasing? How should one go about bringing more balance to the genre of hip-hop? And whose voices should weigh in on this discussion? Then we'll dive into the TikTok recently made by Talib Kweli. And then for our album Face-Off, we'll be putting 8 million stories by Soul Position against the 12th man by the High and Mighty and weigh in on which album we felt was better and why. And then we'll share what we've been bumping for the past week. So with that, please kick back and enjoy the show. Yo, can you hear me okay? Oh yeah, 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 what's happening? Nothing much, my brother, nothing much. What's going on with you, man? Chilling, man. Once and, again, uh, it's on. It's 2024. Trying to, trying to avoid all these new year, new me people. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Same I, old you. <laughs> yeah, it really is, man. And ain't, and ain't nothing wrong with that. Ain't nothing wrong nah, with that. Nah. And improve. You ain't got to wait till the first of the year to, to try to do better. Exactly, and I'm a, I'm all for self improvement. I'm all for progress and all of that. But yeah, man, I don't need to attach it to a date, man. I could I could be I can make change in my life. You know what I'm saying at any given time. Like exactly. I don't I don't need to wait for the calendar, man. I mean it's 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 nice to be able to measure things, I guess, and quantify them. Like oh, I've been sober for six years or whatever however long it right. might be but yeah man yeah yeah you you <laughs> you know how i go you know i do i do, I do. <laughs> that that being said i gotta do a snowfall heat check bro how have you been enjoying the show so far man it's uh it's it's a wild ride it's a wild ride. It's a incredibly well written show. Yeah, I can I can appreciate it, and I'm kind of glad that I waited because um, I get to just kind of absorb it on my own and, and not necessarily have to take in all of the think pieces that go along with each episode and everybody's prognosticating on how they feel about it. Just I can I can take it in and have the smaller conversations. You know, I when something happened, I shoot a text to you like, "Yo, this is crazy." I'm good with <laughs> right. that, but I don't I don't need to read no Rolling Stones article 
<laughs> about how they how they perceive the crack epidemic in in '88 <laughs> from somebody in Chino Hills, born exactly. in born in born in uh, 2000. Exactly, exactly. No, yeah, we we lived through it, man. And it's like you know, crack didn't. The funny thing is, crack didn't take hold of Chicago like it really took hold in other cities. You know, um, it took hold. Maybe, it, it was yeah, here. I say it definitely, it definitely did. Just maybe not um, like it did in LA because that was home base. Right, right. There was some other sociological factors that play in Chicago. It it most definitely touched down here though. But things in Chicago at that time were a little bit more structured, and it wasn't. It was it was bad. Don't get me wrong. It was bad, but it wasn't like Wild West bad. It wasn't like right L.A. bad. But I, I I I've had relatives with and neighbors with substance abuse issues. You know, grew up seeing that. So to watch a show that really takes it there, it's this. It's just interesting to see. Like, oh wow, they they really took it there, and they, they took it there. They yeah. going with that government angle too, you know what I mean? And and that's the part that was so surprising to me that they leaned in so heavily to that part of it. Yeah, I'm glad they did though, because you really can't tell the story of crack in the '80s without that very, very essential part. Right, right. You know, but you know how just... that that often gets done, though. You know, it gets spun in such a way that the, the niggas is out of control. Right, right, right. This is this is something we just we just got to the ingredients at the grocery store and just started cooking it up in our in our homes and selling it and you know what I'm saying? It's like no, nah, right. that's not that's not what happened. Plus, it was so new. You know what I'm saying? It was such a new drug. It's like nobody had the insight or the foresight to know how bad it was decimating the community. You know, until right. it was too late. Until it was too late. You know, so that's that's what I appreciate about the show. Also, I, I forget what season this is. One of the funniest quotes of that show was "Slap your goddamn daddy." <laughs> I think that was season three. No, no, it might have been season two. <laughs> he gonna he gonna bring back all the ish he, t- he took. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jerome Jerome was wild for that. Jerome was my favorite character. I'm sorry. He he truly you you'll you you probably noticed this already. Like he is the emotional center of the show. Like he is the common sense dude. He is the he is the I'm a I'm saying what we're all thinking, dude. (laughs) You think so? I see I see Louie as the emotional center. Who? Louie. I, I see her as as the the, the the brains most definitely. Yeah, uh, you know I didn't get I didn't understand I still don't understand the amount of Louis hate that was going on when the show was airing and it's just like I didn't realize that that would be a thing. Why would people? Yeah, I don't understand what the beef. You know why? Are. You know why? Yeah. Niggas hate niggas hate women. You know why? We we can talk about it once you get done with the series, but that is yeah, a yeah. conversation wanted to have but yeah people hated Louie you know what I mean that's crazy to me and um but yeah Jerome is just we all know a Jerome you know what I'm saying like right we got him in our family most likely this is this is this is a man's man you know what I'm saying and like yeah 
I'm the jump. He told Franklin, like, man, I don't know if this is worth the trouble that's going to come with it, you know? Right. You know, his words rang true, but, um, <laughs> well, what's crazy is I, I, I know, I know all these niggas, man. I definitely know Jerome. I know Franklin. I know Franklin intimately. Uh, I know Leon. I know yeah, we all know Leon. <laughs> I know Wanda. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know Wanda. It's yes. Yeah, it's, that's that's exactly why um, I have to take it in small chunks because I'm like, yo, this is this is you know pulling pages out of out of out of the Jamil history books. Like, yo, I know these niggas. Like, all right, let me go watch Abbott Elementary real quick. Tyler Clan. <laughs> too real (laughs) hey this is hitting too close to home you know man i feel exposed (laughs) right (laughs) you're selling drugs if you're wrong um (laughs) (laughs) but um let's go ahead let's get into this show man um real quick man dsps man digital streaming platforms um a new trend that's popped up over the last year or two um, they've been logging a lot of the, the information and, and spitting it back out for its users at the end of the respective calendar year, you know, giving listeners a breakdown of the artists they listen to the most, the songs they listen to the most, the podcasts they listen to the most, etc. And I had quite an interesting one drop for me this year for, for 2023. Did you have something similar or, or, or did, did you even pay attention to it or... Was it something? I did. I did. Um, something is screwy with the algorithm, I think. Well, first of <laughs> all, my mine got screwed up because I play so much music for my son. So oh, okay, okay. That that definitely like put that to the top of the list. So like my top two artists on my uh, my Spotify wrapped up were based on that, but then the ones below it just didn't make sense to me because I know for sure like Jay-Z was my number three artist played last year I'm like yo I know oh wow I know that that's not the case <laughs> Jay-Z wow okay exactly so I'm like nah some some something's mixed up here like I probably listened to more mystical than I listened to Jay-Z last year mm, okay okay so I'm like something something screwy here Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah, mine was kind of revealing, man. Like mine was. Um, I I don't have it in front of me. I like as far as like the individual songs, but my top five listened to artists in in in, in this particular order were um were Open Mike Eagle at number one, mm. um, at number two JPEG Mafia, number three Danny Brown, number four West Side Gun. No surprise there. And at number five, Alchemist. So a couple of surprises, but like not surprised by the West Side Gun and the Alchemist. I know I bumped a lot of them last year, uh, and particularly Alchemist. I would have thought I listened to more Alchemist than West Side Gun, honestly, but I guess right. not. And I would have thought I listened to more Danny Brown than JPEG Mafia, but that's what I was gonna say, or even maybe more than Open Mike Eagle. I know that like all of those track for me, but I thought Danny Brown would have been closer to the top. I would have thought so too, because just because he had more music, like I've only honestly heard two JPEG Mafia albums. Like, yeah, I take that back. I've, I've heard three pro- three projects for him. I think one of them I, that I heard was an EP, 
But I've only heard two albums of his, and one of them was Scaring the Hoes. So I would have mm-hmm. thought Danny Brown would have been ahead of JPEG Mafia. And then Open Mike Eagle. I, I really did listen to a lot of Open Mike Eagle in 2023. So I wasn't too surprised at that. Um, but it, it really, man, dude, I thought I thought my number one artists were going to be like Wu-Tang, Tribe, Gayla. I thought it was going to be all those cats. But no, these, these were the five names that came out on top. Which is is kind of revealing it. It, it. If if anything, it shows how your musical taste can grow and evolve, and you know, you find yourself listening to artists that at one time you, you know, you just wouldn't have. Because I did try to listen to JPEG Mafia like four or five years ago, and I just I couldn't take it. I'm like, all right, I got to come back to this. And now I, I like totally appreciate what the dude does. And then open my eagle. I always thought he was dope, but like I really, really was able to dig into his discography this year, this past year, and kind of mm. see what he had out there. And um, yeah, it's just, his music just hit me at the right time in my life. Sometimes it's just where you're at in life too that will that's open your absolutely. That is absolutely accurate. You know what? What's good, Vince? What's good, bros? What's good? You tired from firing off rounds last night? <laughs> Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> nah. Nah, I just been busy, man. Been busy today. I might have to get off a little bit earlier today too, but um I, I did I still wanted to tune in and get get the people what I got. Oh man, we appreciate that. We appreciate that. We we gonna keep keep rocking, man, in twenty twenty four. I promise I won't go Joe Button on y'all. <laughs> 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 What's oh man! But yeah, I, I I appreciate that my music taste has been able to kind of grow, you know, and, and in large part thanks to you all. You know, y'all y'all, send, y'all give me a lot of recommendations that that do stick, you know, and uh, you know it, it it'll even if I don't fully get on board with a particular artist, I might get on board with an artist that that artist is tangentially connected to and you know that might lead me down another rabbit hole and you know that's the way it goes in music that's the way it goes but uh getting to the music though did y'all hear about this backlash with childish gambino nah okay so bugging out so childish gambino has found himself in a situation because uh, I'm sure you all remember his 2016 album, uh, Awaken My Love. And there was a very iconic album cover used for that album. Now, the woman who made, who, who was the model and posed for the cover of that particular album cover, she has come public with a story about how she, she, she wasn't compensated properly for the use of her image on that album cover. Now, she made a statement where she said, we received low pay, but were promised residuals, but never received anything, she said. The only person who received residuals was a white woman who created the headpiece, even though she was not on set to work to work on this. But she also deserves it. After years of lies and silence and finding out statute of limitation complications, it's been an exhausting, emotional, and overall sad thing to deal with. Her name is Gian... Giannina Otero, by the way. Um, She said, it took so much for me, especially the fact that we all worked on it so much. 
and love being proud to represent black artists. All of my lawyer's communications have been ignored by the artist and his team. Yeah, what, what do you all think? Does this does this story pass muster? Do you think it's a possibility that this happened? Now, she never said that she was not paid. She just said that she was given low pay for it. I mean, did she sign a contract? That was that my first question. It? Like, it probably was low pay, and, and she might have got a raw deal, but that's kind of like on your, your legal team. Like, it's business. People are going to try to get over if they can. It sucks when it's your own people, but business is business. All right, Franklin. <laughs> hey, I told you I know that, man. <laughs> um, so, so I mean, hey, you gotta you gotta know what you sign, and you gotta read between the dotted lines, and you gotta read the fine print. And mm-hmm. also, it's like this is the problem. Unfortunately, it's messed up on both sides because, like, you would you think sometimes people they have a certain demeanor about them that you know you let your guard down maybe and you uh do things on good faith not thinking about the contracts and stuff involved but that person still is going to go business wise when it comes down to it so it's like it's messed up on her end for not you know handling her business right and then i always think it's messed up on the other person's end that deliberately has the business set up in a way where you can um, cut people out a certain way. So it's just unfortunate. But I mean, I don't see how it, other than, well, you know what though, man, nowadays uh, the court of the, the court of social media is powerful now. So sometimes that can end up affecting somebody um, because of them being canceled, so to speak, air quotes. I mean, the, the, the girl might not really get any more money, but unless he's just generous and wants to just give her some, but I mean, it could mess him up potentially. Yeah, I, I don't know. The, the 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 story doesn't seem to be gaining much traction except, in the, as you pointed out, Vince, in the world of social media. And I guess even then it kind of depends on what social media circles you find yourself in it's definitely coming across my feed and it was a story i was like huh this is interesting but i do kind of wonder because see i've I've dealt with this before like designing album covers for musical artists or rappers or whatever and i've never heard of quote-unquote residuals from an album and how it sells being associated with the compensation for artwork yeah that's interesting not to say it, that can't be the case, but a lot of times when before an album comes out, you you have no idea if the album cover is even going to be all that iconic. Like this one turned out to be so, but plenty of album covers are just run of the mill album covers, and right. artists, photographers, they get paid for their work for the day and you know for the little piece that they use, and everybody moves on and goes about their life. So I've never really heard of this residuals for an album cover from an from an, from an actual album sale. So, you know, and again, like Jamil brought out, where's your contract? What did you sign? Being promised residuals isn't the same as being legally entitled to them. 
Correct. Yeah. So, so how how is it lined up then? Yeah, it's kind of like, hey, we pay you to make this album cover, and that's basically it. Yeah, in so many words, like you know, like there's in a painting, right? You just buy the you, you buy the the artwork, and then you own it, and you do with it what you will. Oh, right. Okay. Right. Well, people right. need to just start. So, being basically, artists they need to start being smarter and trying to get some uh, residual type of income. Like, if it if it makes a certain amount, if the, you know, if the if the CD sells a certain amount or or however you want to say it, then they get yeah. residuals. Or like, you just got to be smarter with your business. You know, learn from other people's mistakes. I, I guess, or your own. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if part of it, too, is knowing that Childish Gambino has a certain he's got some image problems when it comes to black women. Um, <laughs> and I As wonder he's never in the image with them. Oh, exactly. <laughs> so I kind of wonder, like, how much of this is like maybe them. Part of it is most definitely like, yeah, I didn't have the foresight to get my paperwork straight with this. But I also have this other, you know, ace in my pocket that Childish Gambino isn't known for, you know what I'm saying? Giving black women their just due, so to speak, or giving them a fair shot, even in his personal life. So I would say it's only in his personal life, though. Like, where else has this really been an issue for him? That's true. That's true. It's not like this dude has a bunch of like, and let me not speak too soon because everybody's getting caught up these days. But it's Man. not like it's not like he has a reputation for being a, a a bad person or being mean or misogynistic to women or anything like that. Nah, it's just that you see him. You know, his choice of partners tended not to be black women, right? And and but also and, a dude like him, without being famous, black women are probably not checking for him unless they are of that same ilk, right? Right. That's a whole other conversation. It is. It is. Yeah. I, I um hmm, you're right. Cause cause I don't know if people are extrapolating from that, like, okay, well he he definitely don't like black women. And then from that, it can turn into he don't love black women and so he don't care about black women. And so now he's he's actively victimizing black women. It's like people could connect a lot of dots there and extrapolate a lot of different conclusions just from his 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 dating history which I, I think is is unfortunate but that's that's a reality you know what i'm saying for, sure. for a lot of for a lot of black celebrities i don't know like just just hearing her details i don't think she really has a case to stand on to be quite honest no um, you know it's not like she was saying she wasn't paid it's just she felt she wasn't she wasn't paid enough so that's, yeah, your, that's on your legal team like sucks definitely sucks and you know it's a, it's a lesson that many people have to learn in business especially starting off most people their first deal like that is usually you know some sort of a a lesson that comes with it and hopefully you learn to do better business later but that's kind of how kind of how it goes yeah but i don't i don't fault her for trying to you know trying to get from under that like if if, if she can leverage her social media presence to kind of undo a bad deal, then I don't blame her for that. I just don't know how successful it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. Legally, anyway, yeah. Correct. 
legally I don't think she has a lot coming her way, but yeah, maybe she could she could leverage this into some sort of you know opportunity for herself, you know. Um mm-hmm. you know, so I wish you know, honestly wish the best for all the parties involved. This is not gonna you know keep me from buying the next childish gambino album right so you know i just i like to see but i do like to see people properly uh compensated you know what i'm saying for their art no doubt but um man it's almost that time of year again man the grammys (laughs) which we know you know full disclosure we all know the grammys aren't catered to the culture you know, um, the Grammys basically reward those who are who made the most money for the industry. I just just put it bluntly. And every now and again, they might get a couple of nominations right or uh, uh, album of the year winner, you know, right. It's rare, you know, when they do. But it's it's interesting. Some of the nominees for the Grammys this year for best rap album. The best nominees actually are Drake and 21 Savage with her loss, Killer Mike with Michael, Nas with King's Disease 3, uh, Metro Boomin' Heroes and Villains, and Utopia Travis by Travis Scott. Between these five releases, man, which one of these albums do you think will win and which one do you think should win? I think uh, it'll be Michael one and the same. It should win and will win. Mm. You think it's that undeniable? I do, especially in this category, like with the other nominees. It's not even, it doesn't even appear to be that close. Um, But also, the Grammy has actually done a decent job, at least as it relates to albums, um, album of the year in the hip hop category the last few years. They've done better with nominations and awards than than they traditionally have. Yeah, I think that's thanks to the um, to the Grammy board. I actually got a little bit of insider information my way. I, I didn't know this, but uh, local Chicago rapper Ad Two, he's on the Grammy board. Oh, that's dope. Wow. Yeah. So shout out to him. I would love to do an interview with you one day. So I'll let you boy. <laughs> right, right. But if people like him are on the Grammy board, that explains why we're seeing the Killer Mikes and the Nas's. You know, and the D Smokes, Freddie Gibbs, yeah, and the Freddie Gibbses, yeah, exactly, on the um on these 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 nomination lists. Vince, man, who do you think should win, and who do you think will win? My sentiments are just like Jamil's, man. Um, this is a, it feels like to me this is a, a runaway this year. Uh, I mean he's been talking about it not like you know he's he's indirectly said he wants to win a grammy with by saying he doesn't want to win a grammy you know <laughs> through any any you know when he talks about it um everybody else has talked about this should be the album of the year so it's like it's almost it's almost almost have has been talked up for it to happen i get i would be surprised if it doesn't happen and i mean honestly it should yeah yeah I um I'm with y'all. I think I think the Killer Mike should win. However, what I think will win, I think they're gonna give it to Drake and Twenty One Savage. Interesting. Is it for 2023? Or, Cause didn't that come out? That came out 
like September, I mean, well, like August, uh, November of 2022, right? You're probably right. I, I couldn't tell you, but I, I feel like you're right. I think it has to come out in the fall of the previous year. The previous year, yeah. Um, okay. But it, it, nah, it would, that uh, would, that would, it would, if it was that late in the year, I think it would, um, it would be eligible. Okay, well, I guess it is eligible. The Nas, the, the King's Disease Three came out November 11th. Okay, well, yeah, it should, it still shouldn't win. Yeah, like that, that album doesn't hold a candle to um, Michael. And it doesn't. It doesn't. It got a ton of skips on it. <laughs> it I don't doesn't. I think like the the biggest Drake fans were really even checking for that album for real like that. Like the thing I remember most about it was people clowning Drake, and they kept saying how zesty he sound on the on the record, and then they uh and then they interviews. Yeah, like that's what, I, that's what I remember more than yeah. <laughs> do something for me. <laughs> I do remember. Like that. that was the that was the conversation around the album more than anything. Yeah, you get to Grammys, man. They get lazy, you know. Um, right. They get lazy. It's like I, I absolutely agree with you. I think the Killer Mike should take it, but something in my gut just telling me it's like the nomination is all that he's getting. I don't I don't know why I feel that way. I would now I would be perfectly fine with King's Disease 3 winning it as well cuz if you ask me, I think King's Disease 3 is just as good as Michael, honestly. Like I think cuz of some time that's passed, we kind of have forgotten how good King's Disease 3 actually is. But I would be perfectly fine with that winning it too. It's like I think I think that album would deserve if it won, I wouldn't be mad at it. Mm-hmm. But I think Michael was definitely more. It, it just it felt like he put more effort into it. He put money into it too. I mean, I think I think everything around his yeah. efforts it would it would culminate into him winning. Like Nas, Nas, I think he's he's not even he's not even trying to achieve a, 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 an award, let alone a nomination. He, I think he's just. He's just still, you know, happy he can make music at this high level and that people are appreciating it. I think that's enough for him. Um, but it seems like Big Mike was uh was trying to was trying to get this award. Like he's putting his efforts into it. Oh, most definitely, most definitely. You know, which which, you know, he has every right to. You know what I'm saying? It's an outstanding body of work. Like he he really dug deep with the subject matter. But it's the Grammys, man. It's the Grammys. I just have no faith in them to get it right. The, the fact that the fact yeah. that her loss, the fact that her loss was even nominated, it's like, what are y'all listening to? Like, right? It's just, I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, some of the stuff shouldn't even have been nominated, you know. And to me, that's just a bad enough sign. Like, they, they might try to take the, the lazy way out, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm surprised they didn't nominate Eminem. Right. What do y'all What do y'all think of of Karis? Now, oh, before I jump to that, here's something that's interesting. I know we always talk about like best rap album as far as the Grammys, best rap song. Scientists and engineers actually got a nomination. Hmm. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see 
if anything happens with that, if that gets the award, it's going up against Rich Flags by Drake and 21 Savage. I Just Want to Rock by Lil Uzi Vert. Barbie World by Nicki, Nicki Minaj and Ice Spice. And Attention by Doja Cat. Hey, hey that, 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 uh, I Just Want to Rock might actually win. That's what I was going to say. That might actually win, man. That, that, that thing, that was, that was an outstanding song in in terms of the relevance it had, even though he didn't really rap that much on it. It's just like, man, some songs, man, just penetrate everybody's uh, awareness. Pause. <laughs> some songs, it just... That was crazy. Just, just, just gets in there. Uh, 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 pause. <laughs> that was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's like some songs, man. It, it reaches throughout the entire world, man, and and it becomes it becomes a part of uh, uh becomes a part of life because that song is gonna always be around now. Like nobody will ever forget that song. Yeah, I, I to be honest, I can't say if I've heard it or not. I'll, oh, I'll definitely check it out after this after this pod and uh, see what it's talking about. You've heard it. You just don't realize you heard it, maybe. But you've heard it. You've seen them. You've seen the kids dancing, the way they dance off of it. Like it, it's so so much thing. So many things have happened around that song that it it will never be forgotten. That's the thing okay. I recognize is the is the the dance around it. Like I'm I'm kind of taking what Vince said. I, I'm pretty sure I've heard it, but you would have to like tell me that that's what I was listening to right now for me to recognize it. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you, you, you've heard it. <laughs> it's no way. It's like you would have to have dodged life, like to, to not have right. heard this. You know. Yeah, it says the track became began as a snippet on a social media app on TikTok, where it went viral, uh, garnering hundreds of millions of views. Yada yada yada. Um, the song came out it was just two minutes long it wasn't much longer than a TikTok video but it didn't need to be the full track kept all the joy and danceability of the memeable excerpt so they got positive stuff to say about it so uh, I will uh, yeah I'll check it out I'll definitely check it out what do, what do y'all think of, of KRS-One's refusal to partake in the Grammy's 50th uh, anniversary for hip hop uh, concert or show that they did he had um I don't know if y'all heard this story, but uh, he basically said that um, he said that uh, because the Grammys have ignored, he said you ignored hip hop for 49 years, and at the 50th year you want to call us. 49 years that you ignored us, and then he basically said that uh, basically he just had to respectfully turn it down. He said, with all due respect, LL Cool J called me spoke to my wife and pretty much begged me to be on the show, but we turned him down. And reason being is because I know other people don't understand this. And I say this respectfully, meaning that KRS-One is a hip hop extremist. I'm not violent. I'm, I'm insane with this culture. I know I must have lost my mind in this. Uh, he also went on to say that, uh, so when I got the call, I immediately said, nah, nah. First of all, it's the Grammys. You get no respect here, none. You have no respect here. Now we respect your existence. We know you exist, 
and we know that you're the Grammys and we understand and respect that your existence, but you ignored hip hop for 49 years. What do y'all think about this? Do y'all think it's this he has a point or is this excuse kind of weak? Sounds very KRS one like. Um, Hell yes. Yes. Yeah, it sounds like he would like it seems like the 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 speed in which he answered no means he was waiting for it to happen. You know, like because you know the man is very he's very he's very calculated. He's very intelligent in his own um, focused way, and um, like you, you can't tell me he wasn't waiting to turn anything down because it's there's more, there's more to celebrate with the 50 years than just the Grammys. But I don't really, I don't know if I've seen heard too much of, of him. Period about with this, uh, you know, the 50 years. Uh, so. I, it's more than just the Grammys, but I expected him to, to you know, boycott the Grammys. It's kind of like a, you know, that thing is like, you 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 like me now that I done arrived type situation. And it's like, nah, like just because, like, we done done whatever we've done for this amount of years, like, it, we wasn't doing it for you to acknowledge us. But don't think just because you acknowledge us that we gotta we gotta ride with you now. It's like, no, nah, we good. So I, I mean, I understand that. Um, then I understand the other side of it as well. Like just feeling like, you know, getting recognized for your grind or your accolades. So but yeah, Karis one, I expected it out of. And I don't I don't think his excuse is, is like whack. I think it's um way more like he, he holds himself he's he's connected to it way more than he needs to be. <laughs> but I think it's still kind of justified. Yeah. I if I was him, I would have done it. However, I understand the reasons why he didn't do it. If I got the call from LL Cool J and Questlove, like I would have I would have done it for the culture more f- than for the Grammys. But I understand because of the venue, I do understand why he did not do it. And I, I support his reasoning. You know, if y'all ain't invite me to the party all this time, it's like, and now y'all want to do it big. Now you want to invite me to the party and you never really messed with me. You never nominated me for anything. You never made me a presenter of any awards or invited me to do that. Yeah, I'm kind of good on y'all. Kind of good on y'all. So I I do give his reasoning. See, the thing you have to realize, Ian, is you have to read between the lines. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's when the I said, when I said Sounded that LL out. called my wife and begged me, that <laughs> was the key. I wanted to let you all know that this is really about KRS. <laughs> as well, for first of all, you got to think about voice the base word of Grammys. <laughs> Grammys <laughs> right. is Graham. <laughs> They didn't even have an ounce of respect for us. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the message sometimes can be betrayed by the messenger. Like everything he said is solid. It makes sense. And this could just be a Jamil thing. It maybe is just not a university held idea, but KRS um, just can be off-putting in what he is saying even though there's truth to that clearly like he is a pillar and 
and, and a foundational piece of the hip hop culture. But if you talk to him about it, he is the foundational piece. You know what I mean? Like like nothing else exists outside of him. Right. And like this this culture is bigger than any one any one entity, any one MC, even one as great as he is. And I'm I'm kind of with you on that one. Like yeah, the Grammys didn't really show love to hip hop in general, and even when they do it, even now, I mean, based on the conversation we we were just having, right? It, it's oftentimes still not really done well, and some of the, the the better representatives of the culture don't don't really get the shine that they're supposed to get. But you got another icon reaching out to you, right? So. It ain't about the Grammys. If, if, if LL is calling you, like you don't have enough respect for it or for someone that's kind of a peer of yours in this game and who's also, you know, a big part of the foundation of, of hip hop culture. Um, you, you don't want to, you can't put your ego aside in that moment to either be a part of it. And I mean, yeah, I mean that's, that's that's certainly that's certainly his right to do so, and and I agree with his reasoning. It's just I feel like he could have explained it a little bit better. And and that part about LL begged me to do it just I like see that's that KRSism in there. That, yeah, that, there's there's that that arrogance coming out. But see the thing about it, with his arrogance, what he fails to realize is that he could have spearheaded it to make it more what he would have liked it to be. So with all of that intellectual uh, acuity and memory that he has of certain people, then he can make sure that when it's celebrated that the right people are also mentioned amongst it. And and since you don't have any part of it now, you have to sit and look at something that will completely be not even close to what it should be. But had you put your, um, your two cents in or your involved yourself with it, it would have been a lot closer to what it should have been. And um, that's what I think sometimes, you know, that arrogance. And it's um, because if you you let him tell it, KRS-One, everything should look like what it looked like when he started doing it. Should, should, everything right. should look like a, a, a copy of, uh, of whatever area in New York where it started from. But it's like, like no, it's just hip-hop. Hip-hop is a, a thing, but it also... It's, it's also going to evolve to the environment that it's surrounded by, too. So, it's, I mean, I mean, it is what it is. You know, it's one of yeah, the... Yeah, when you... Hey, he the grumpy grandpa. Gonna, yeah, I was just going to say, when you just want to angrily be like, oh, I'm going to take my ball and go home, you now have no say in the game now, you know, and how the exactly. game is played. And, like, I would love to see KRS on stage with Lil Uzi Bird. I would love to see... KRS on stage with uh, <laughs> you know what crazy. I'm saying <laughs> one of these new cats just rocking out you know Austin yeah, yeah. News was rocking with Lil Uzi Vert uh, Bustin Rhymes was rocking with him you know it's yeah. like wh- why can't why can't he and you know you you forfeit when you forfeit your participation you forfeit your voice and your input to make sure it is observed correctly like you were mentioning Vince and you know your voice gets replaced by somebody else's voice you know what i'm saying who might not be yeah. as intimately connected to the to the culture so 
yeah. you know, you gotta. But isn't it? Isn't it also much easier to complain about it than to actively get involved? Because now, if you put your name on it and it still don't come out the way you want, then you're kind of complicit in that. So it's much, much easier to be hands off and then criticize it from a distance than it is to to, to kind of put in work. In oh, many yeah. ways, that's that's not that's not terribly different than what a lot of um, you know commentators on hip hop culture do. Right? They talk about how terrible the album is or how bad somebody's show was or this or that, but they themselves are not really participating. Yeah. Well, you know what? At this point, KRS-One kind of has to stay doing this because, like, he he has to keep his energy like that because it's gonna look yeah, that's the brand. When he, when he, when he right. Stopped. At this point now, he can't he can't change now, even if he right. wanted to. Right. You know. But uh, speaking of speaking of voices in the culture, uh, calling for change. I thought it was about time we dive into this D1 conversation. Um, who is D1? My listeners might ask. D1 is a Christian rapper from New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, he's been active for about 15 years. I first became aware of the dude when he did a EP with one of my favorite rappers, Murs, uh, entitled I'm the Rapper, He's the Christian. And um, it was a very dope EP, man, I gotta say. I was I was I was definitely feeling it. But as of recently, well, with I would say during 2023, he he made more headlines because of his going on the record and calling out rap artists by for the negative imagery and messaging that they that they put out. And he called out a few rappers by name, which led to some petty back and forth. It didn't really lead to a whole lot of like true discourse, to be quite honest with you. But he was calling out rappers like Meek Mill, Rick Ross, excuse me, Rick Ross and Jim Jones specifically. I don't know why he decided to call those particular rappers out. Well, I know why he called Meek, Meek out because he said Meek is now the face of, of criminal justice reform. However, he's still putting out songs about catching people lacking and shooting niggas and putting bags over niggas heads and all of that stuff and how it's hypocrisy to try to be the face of criminal justice reform and still push those negative messages. He also said that he also took aim at them for being millionaires, basically, and, and living in a suburb, sending their kids to private schools, but then still pushing negative imagery about and negative messaging in their music about you know, sliding on people and this, this and that and how they need to basically grow up. And, you know, he kind of couched it, his comments in this whole like, I got love for you dudes and I want to, I, I love y'all, I want to see y'all do better, but we got to call certain stuff out. And, you know, if I didn't love y'all, I wouldn't be saying this. That's kind of how he, he couched his, his wording. And, and there was some back and forth. Rick Ross responded publicly. Jim Jones responded publicly but aggressively, you know, threatening to smack the dude and, and do something to him and all this other stuff. And Meek responded to the dude privately. What do you all make of this? Do you think his approach in this whole back and forth last year was the right approach? Should he have gone about it differently? And does he does he have a point? Because a lot of people are saying, oh, this, this dude is just cloud chasing. Joe Button has come out and called him a cloud chaser. 
But what do you all think? He seems to be pretty earnest in his message. Like what he's saying is pretty consistent with who he has been, at least what I know of him to be. So I don't know that I would necessarily say that he's clout chasing. Um, I think there's probably an element of, of that that came of it after um, you know the back and forth starts. Then I've seen a few of them that seem to be a little bit more performative than I would have expected. But overall, I think he's he's pretty genuine in, in what he's saying, and I don't think he's incorrect. And also, I think that. You know, dude got a right to his opinion like anybody else does. And I think that uh, the response that people have had, uh, Jim Jones and, and, and Ross in particular, really don't address the the message. Like, it's just the Ross Ross sitting on top of his money. And, you know, that that's become the basis of his conversation. And Jim Jones... You know, super thug at, at fifty plus years old. Um, <laughs> which, FYI, don't think it's sweet. Like I know he a Christian rapper and all that, but dude from New Orleans, them niggas don't play. None of them. They be looking sweet, some of them, but you you really do not want to try nobody from New Orleans. I've I've come to learn. <laughs> yeah, you don't. You don't. Yeah, I think. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I would have approached it that way if I were in his shoes. But I don't think that it is being done as I don't I don't think he's clout chasing. I, at least it doesn't appear that way to me. We like we've seen people who clout chase. Yeah, it ain't no clout chasing because why wouldn't he mention better people's names? You know what I'm saying? He clout chasing <laughs> for Jim Jones. Oh. Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, That's yeah, a good point. I mean, I mean, you could make the same argument about Ross and Meek too, though. Like, the only cats really bumping Meek and Ross are like thirty-five-year-old niggas dropping their kids off at school. You know what I'm saying? Who, who still think they kind of got it a little bit? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, right. like, like, as far as who's moving the needle musically, like, you, you need to take aim at these drill rappers. How, however, yeah. I. I I, I do think two things can be true. I think he could be absolutely right. And you can state something factual and still be cloud chasing. Now, I don't know mm-hmm. the man's hard enough to know whether or not he is cloud chaser or not. But he did seem to kind of take advantage of the dialogue and the back and forth that went down after he initially made these comments. Um, you know, Jim Jones came out and threatened him. Ross has some some unkind words for him. According to him, Meek was the only one who responded respectively, respectfully rather, and and got at him about his comments and kind of was able to explain himself. You know, when when rappers react in a way to to this guy and his statements with, you know, I'm gonna smack that basket off your head and you know, mm-hmm. don't mention my name because I got people, I got homies, I gotta talk, I gotta talk out of sh- basically shooting you up. You know what I'm saying? It's like it, it kind of proves the point of what he's right. saying. Right. Yeah. He got a point. Definitely got a point. And the reason it's like, that, why is very... this the reaction? Why can't we have a intelligent discussion where you defend your music and, and yeah, things? Your position. 
Yeah, the very the very reason, the very fact that they're responding the way that they are lets them lets everybody know that internally they know that they agree with what he's saying, but they can't let everybody else know. But that's that's like that's like psychology one on one, you know. <laughs> it's like obviously it it, it struck a, a chord because. They, they they respond in a certain way, so mm-hmm. dog so there's truth. There's definitely truth to it. I don't think he's cloud chasing though. I do, however, think that there's a a more effective way to um, get your message out without like making yourself a target and like trying to actually get reach reach the um, hearts and minds of the person, the people you're speaking of, or the that type of rapper that's in the industry, but you you alienating yourself from them, and even more so, you making them like look at you crazy and want to do something to you. So like, there's a better way to do it. So that's that's my question. Is, is there a better way to have gone about it? Like, because People say like, oh, people niggas just say your name on the internet because they want they want clout or they want attention. But really, the internet is how we communicate. You know, it's like right. I just don't know any other way he could have. Let's say let's take let's just take a matter's word and that he's sincere in wanting to see the content of a lot of rap change, or at the very least, he wants it wants to see it become more balanced. But how else is he supposed to? If that's his true aim, like how else is he supposed to go about it? I guess that's my question. You um, you call everybody out in, under the guise of anonymity. Like you talk about the culture as opposed to the people in the culture, because there's a re- the the culture is what's making it happen. Um, but I think those conversations are already happening. Which brings me to my other point. I, I think these conversations are already happening, but they're not happening. These conversations aren't taking place with people within the industry who are actively putting out music. Like it's happening amongst right. people doing think pieces and podcasters like ourselves who grew up on hip hop and we see the disparity in the music as far as the balance. And we want to see a little bit more balance, but it's almost like we're the only ones having this discussion. You know, and it's like, is it helpful for an artist, albeit a not very popular artist, to just start calling people out by name? Uh, I mean, I guess it can get enough. Maybe sometimes you 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 put a beacon on what's going on, and you shine a spotlight on certain people. It gets uncomfortable, but it might it might start a conversation. Then, if enough people start doing it as well, then it, it becomes undeniable. Um, I don't think that there will be more people doing what he's doing, but um, at the same rate that he's doing it. But I mean, I guess you're right. Like the way we've been, the way the conversation have been had, it hasn't really helped. So, hey, try something different. <laughs> try something more aggressive. And do yeah. we know for sure that other tactics hadn't been tried? Like we can't say... I, I don't know. I hadn't heard at least that there weren't attempts behind the scenes to reach out to certain artists either. So that could have very well been the case. And, you know, to no avail. 
Hey, well, you know what, man? It is funny though. Like, for some reason, we like to hear certain things. Like, even even we when we we joke around on on this podcast about you know selling drugs to the community, uh, rap, right? You know, <laughs> right, right. Like we we like it though. Like just the 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 wording, the wordplay on it. Like we like to hear the movie of the streets in the music like we like to hear that and, um for some reason uh we like to hear negative rap more than positive rap i don't know what why it's like that but it kind of is like that and it has been said and it a, a lot of rappers have mentioned it in songs and stuff but for some reason man you know we like the streets as a matter of fact i was watching this math hop math hop for uh his podcast on YouTube, and he had a uh, New Jersey twerk on it. And okay. New Jersey twerk was talking about man, I don't care what it is. Any anybody get in the battle stage and they start trying to rap this positive stuff, I'm in a I'm I'm in the um and I'm there. I'm gonna be in the audience saying boo boo because I don't want to <laughs> hear that. I don't want to hear none of that. I want to hear I want to hear the streets. I don't want to hear none of that positive stuff, you know. But it's like. That seems to be like the the typical thought of everybody, you know. I don't know why it's like that, but it is. I mean, there there's a, a larger conversation to be had about that. I would say, just as American culture, we're we're kind of anti intellectual. Um, I have theories behind why that might be the case. I, but beyond that, I don't think that there's. I don't think that people like as a whole only want the ignorant stuff like yeah there's there's something to talking that talk and, and there's an entertainment factor that that comes into that but it's understandably entertainment like i can listen to west side gun and recognize where where that is these street tales about things that may may or may not have happened before but when you listen to the the conversations afterwards, like there's a, a a real tangible effect that, or not effect, impact that these men and, and women are having, like in real life, um, at this time that doesn't necessarily align with the music. I think Ian is onto something when he talks about maybe the the message is better served to some of the uh, some of the youth because somebody like Ross or you know people that are listening to Ross they they grown already so they could probably make that distinction but somebody that's like a trippy red fan 16, 17, 22 years old maybe not you know maybe that does have a more direct impact on how that person is going to behave and it, and it has a real like tangible negative effect on real people um, I, I do think that the conversation is necessary and I applaud that he or somebody is having that conversation certainly it has blown up enough that it made it to us right and, and, and people are discussing it one way or the other whether they you know how they feel about it it's, it's being discussed um, it would be nice if there were more discussion around that. 
ultimately I think just it's a part of it's a part of the growing process, really. Right. Everybody starts in one place and as you, you learn more and you grow and you do learn better, you do better. So my mom used to always say. Uh, and that's where I think I would say that, you know, the we'll keep it to Ross Meek and, and Jim Jones, those three in particular, they do know better. And they are in positions where they could do different things, right? Y'all, all right, y'all all street dudes, excepting Ross. Um, <laughs> so you talk about the street tales in the beginning, but at some point, yeah, you, you kind of have to evolve from that, right? And if, if you aren't evolving, then what are you really doing here? Yeah, it's it's why we look at it's it's kind of indicative of why the, the culture as a whole looks at Andre three thousand with the stink eye right now because you know he's he's off playing the flute and doing his own thing and his his personal evolution is taking him to that on that path that n- most people don't normally take. Um, and I agree. Like I do think there is a conversation that needs to happen with the community more than entertainers or as just as much with with the community as as entertainers because you know most kids out here out here ain't getting their first pack from meek mail or rick ross they're getting it from the ogs you know what i'm saying and there's a whole other conversation that needs to take place as far as like you know you brought up what what your mom used to say and it's like yeah where are the parents in this you know like i don't I, I don't one one thing we gotta learn from 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 our mistakes is that like you know in the past like when 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 people really started coming down on hip hop like to see see Dolores Tucker's of the early nineties and everything it was like it was all about the rappers it was all about the rappers and these thugs and this and that but like you know parents played a big part of that too like you know who was going out buying the kids these these albums so right. That's that's part of the conversation that needs to happen too, and another part of the conversation that needs to happen that that frustrates me, and this happens on like the commentator level and the content creator level as well as the artist level. Talk more about instead of talking so much about what you don't like, talk about what you do like. Talk about the artists that are giving you something different. Talk about the mm-hmm. artists that are giving you something fresh that are keeping the culture alive and pushing it forward pushing the music forward talk more about that as opposed to oh man ain't nobody rapping about nothing out here it's like no nah, people are most right. definitely rapping about something you just got to be in tune with it you know what i mean like like talk about big up those people you know what i mean like and i i i feel too that we need to make a distinction between conscious rap and christian rap mm. because <laughs> because Christian rap is kind of on a whole nother it, it's 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 got a it's it's on a whole nother lane than than your typical conscious rapper. Correct. Um, the themes are are not usually the same at all. <laughs> right, the goals aren't the same. The goals are pretty much about, you know, personal and collective salvation and being right with the Lord whereas like conscious rap but what can be deemed conscious rap is more about achieving some sort of social or political goals. Um, you know, so that's a very important distinction we got to make here, too. Um, 
you know, I don't, I've heard D1's music before. I, I didn't mind it. I thought it was, I thought it was decent. But does that mean I'm going to check out other Christian rappers? No. Nah. So if you're trying to bring more awareness to Christian rap and the people that you feel are pushing the right messages, you know, hip hop wise, talk to me more about that then you know what i mean like like i i'm 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 more willing to hear you out than to just be like oh i i support what you said because you you know you took shots at these other more popular artists who i just so happen not to like the reasons i don't like them don't, don't even really have anything to do with the reasons you're you're taking you're, you're critiquing them right now or criticizing right. them right, now. right. yeah and best believe your criticism will be four times as hypocritical if you get caught doing something that don't align with your beliefs, which right. would easily be, which would be an easy thing to figure out. Um, so like, uh, you gotta be careful putting yourself out there, making yourself a target. People start to venture into how you live your life. And then it's like, well, you, you hold no credibility. Yeah. 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 Um, which, is, which is quite an ironic thing when we're talking about Rick Ross, but continue. Right. Yeah. Right. And conscious <laughs> rappers for that, for that matter. Most, least, yeah. Most conscious rappers. There's somebody we got heat for in the show. Um, <laughs> I'm a conscious um, rapper. But like, I mean, where do y'all stand with it? Do you all, and I don't know, maybe this is a conversation or a question that we should answer on a different night. But like, where do you all stand with the whole Christian rapper push? Uh, I don't quite understand it all the way. Like, cause you got people that I guess it's I guess it's a spectrum. You got people like, um, Lecrae. Getting that man's name, Lecrae. Uh, Lecrae. Well, okay, Lecrae or or what's the dude that wears the three on his head? Uh, oh. Chance the rapper. You talking about Chance the rapper? But I don't think he calls himself a Christian rapper though. But it's like you got people like that, so it's a spectrum. It's like what what makes you a Christian rapper and what doesn't make you one. I think if you label yourself that way, it's kind of what would make the distinction between the two. Because, I mean, most people will, will speak somewhat on their faith in their music, even when they're doing the most dirt. Um, yeah. There's usually some sort of a mention of, of God or a higher power of some sort, whatever that person's personal belief is. Yeah. But I doesn't necessarily make them a, quote, Christian rapper. But you got some people that are specifically labeling themselves that way. And then the content is, you know, more akin to gospel. Um my thoughts on it just as a a genre a label and a crew like with the exception of lecrae and and some of d1 stuff the niggas is trash like it's just not good music so (laughs) (laughs) yeah aside from how i might feel about what the messaging is it's just not good so I'm not gonna listen to it anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I defend its right to exist. It's not something I, 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 I can see myself ever getting into. 
to be quite honest, uh, the best ones are the ones who I didn't know were Christian rappers. Um, you know, had you not had they not identified themselves as such, like I wouldn't even have known D1 was a Christian rapper. You know what I'm saying? Judging from some of his, just from listening to some of his music, like the like the the EP he did with Murs, I would have just chalked it up to like, oh, they were tackling a concept, right? Um, you know, and I like the best ones. Like, I don't know if y'all are familiar with LMNO mm-hmm. from the West Coast. I didn't know he would. He's considered Christian rap. I didn't know that. Yeah, apparently he's considered Christian rap. Um, I I haven't heard anything in his music that is that would contradict him being a Christian rapper. But I didn't hear anything definitively identifying him as one either. He just seemed to be a, a grown man with a you know with a with a moral compass. You know what I mean? Right. And for me, that's enough, really. <laughs> like, like like if if you're making you know hip hop or just any any music of any any genre but particularly hip hop if you if you're just a regular grown adult with a moral compass like i will likely relate to you right i don't need the extra stuff you know so but some people do need the extra stuff and i'm not knocking it i'm just you know Saying it ain't for me, you know. I, I you know, long live, Gris- long live Griselda. <laughs> I'm not gonna because the niggas is terrible, and I'm, I'm with you. More, I, you know what? I haven't heard, honestly, I haven't heard enough of it to say if it's terrible or not. That's fair. You know, it, it could be some really good stuff out there. I just I just I just don't know. I just haven't listened to enough of it. What I've heard has not been good. I'll put it like that. Yeah, because you, you're right. There's probably some some super dope. You know, Christian rappers out there that I'm not familiar with. Yeah. So our representatives is awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it can be better. It can be better. I'll say that. But um, but that's that's a conversation I do want to have on another day. Um, as far as like faith, spirituality, and where where it converges with hip hop, and you know, it's that that's a whole another conversation I want to flush out on a different day and and tackle a little bit more thoroughly. If y'all are game. Yes, indeed. <laughs> okay. But jumping real quick to a certain Christian rapper, I'm sorry, a certain conscious rapper out there uh, who put out a TikTok. Um, I don't know. Are y'all familiar with this TikTok trend where people are, they come on, they say, I'm a journalist. Of course I blah, 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 blah. Or I'm a black autistic person. Of course I blah, 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 blah. And they name all the stuff that they're that people should know about them, or, or they feel people should know about them. Um, okay, y'all familiar with it? Okay, uh, so Talib Kweli recently did one that. <laughs> oh my God, it was kind of cringe to be quite honest with you. I'm a conscious rapper. Uh, of course, I knew the original Jews were black before I watched a YouTube video. Uh, I'm a conscious rapper. Of course, all my friends are world famous comedians. <laughs> you know, it's like, huh? <laughs> like, I'm a conscious rapper. Of course, every gangster rapper past the age of forty tries to rap like me. No, they're not, Talib. No, no they're not. No, I don't no, believe not. Pusha T is trying to rap like you. Neither is Griselda. Bro. Like, dude, no, just, don't. just, just stop, bro. Just you, 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 you starting to show your age now. Like, just right. Just Neither stop. Is. Big Pooh or Black Thought 
or Pharaoh Munch. <laughs> maybe, <not>. maybe Common. <laughs> right, right, right. Maybe him. Like, shoot, none of your contemporaries. Like, really? Nah, like, nah. Shoot, like Bootcamp Click don't even do that no more. You know what I mean? Like, they they still bring in that rough and rugged. You know. But um, before we clown him, uh, what, what, did, what did you think of the po- of the uh, of the post? I think it was. It sound goofy. Sound dumb. Yeah. Did you see events? See what I had to step away. Oh. Oh. Okay. Don't worry about it. It was. It was the the Taleb Kweli TikTok. Oh no, I didn't see that. Uh, but uh, I heard he was doing too much though. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. Absolutely was. Like I, I think a more appropriate direction he could have took it was. Uh, you know, I'm a conscious rapper. Of course, I blame my lack of success on my refusal to sell my soul to the Illuminati as opposed to my inability to rap on a beat. Or, uh. I'm a conscious rapper. Of course, I miss the irony of palling around with Elon Musk, the face of apartheid and white privilege, then getting on the internet and calling all my fans white supremacists for asking questions about my album. Or, I'm a conscious rapper, of course. I lack the the ability to um, understand and read the room. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, or I'm a conscious rapper. I want props forever for the raps I spit in the 90s. <laughs> right. Nah, it's or, crazy, man. Like, oh, no, Or no, I'm, I'm a conscious I'm rapper. Uh, Dillard didn't change my life, but he did change my t-shirt. Dang. <laughs> Or I'm a conscious rapper. Of course I'm not vaccinated. That's a good one. That's funny. Shout out to Red Man. <laughs> who's who's now somehow uh becoming a motivational speaker. Hey, I think Red Man would make an excellent motivational speaker. Yeah. I would too, except for when he's talking about watching the chemicals you put in your body. Oh jeez! Yeah. <laughs> lose no, lose like, a little bit of credibility with me, Reggie. <laughs> yeah. Just, just so, a little so, bit. Yeah. <laughs> so Talib Kweli, he 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 um he's sipping the same same beverage that KRS One is sipping. He just hasn't been sipping it as long. I think um, you may be right about that. He's heading in that direction, though. Yeah, it's like a nah, nah. it's like a thing of like he's he's been he's been awarded from this from his peers and the fans as a certain level lyricist and it's gone to his head to the point where he's lost awareness that there's other things that you have to be good in to be liked and like he's so he's so focused on whatever it is people have allowed him to be accepted as in the culture like is 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 he's he's ran with it to the point where it's, he's become a monster, and it's like, dude, like you haven't, you ain't contributed enough to be this annoying. Like you, <laughs> you, 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 you more, you more hassle than than what you've put in, you know? Because now it's getting to the point when I hear his name, it's like I don't even really have to hear what he said. I just know it's something that he probably shouldn't have said. It's a mess. Yeah. 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 It's like, oh, Talib again, huh? Kind of like when, I, like, I don't even tune in to Kanye West when I hear him having a rant again. I don't even tune in to what he said. I just know he ran. 
it don't even matter what he said. It's just Kanye being Kanye. Yeah, it's it's just it's just more of the same, you know, like you know, what's I live, it's like, yeah, of course I can't keep Nina Simone's name out my mouth or Betty Shabazz's name out my mouth, but I'm actively antagonistic toward any strong black women women who are walking around today who happen to disagree with me on anything. You know, and it's like the the hypocrisy just it, it really takes the, the luster off of MCs like him, you know when you kind of see how they and and like let me be clear like it's not all conscious rappers but like he has a particularly bad record right you know when it comes to you know his his personal dealings with people you know what it is though too like he's a conscious rapper right but he's a conscious rapper that can't accept that people don't have to agree with him it's like he he's confused being conscious with being more intelligent than, than someone else. Like, no, nah, you just know how to put words together in a way that 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 has to deal with uh the bad things that can happen in life for black people. That's what you're good at. That don't mean that people gotta agree with what you're saying or that you're smarter than you're more smarter or more intelligent, more aware of what's going on than people. It's just you know how to put it on on uh on wax. And he he's lost awareness of that it's like dude people can disagree with you <laughs> you know like the right. moment somebody disagree you you start you start attacking them and it's like no nah, man like we we don't need that at all yeah 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 the attacks are just it, they, they are un, and they're so unhinged it's like he doesn't he doesn't come back with like a well thought out like oh man thanks for the support but the reason we moved the album from luminary to this other platform is because of xyz instead of just saying that it's like you're a white supremacist i'm not your slave and you know it's like you didn't make the music it's like wait wait, where is all this coming from like we're we're interacting with you because we're fans of you like this ain't this ain't some you know uh, debate with some alt right lunatic here, like like these are fans, bro. These are fans, but it's like he's got one mode, bro. And it's like it's 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 very. I gotta admit, man, it's very off putting, man. It's very off putting. It's like very much so. You know, I just I just don't get it with him. But we need to get off Twitter, like like they said. Yeah, yeah. Like you got to figure something out, but um. Let's move right along, man. Let's go on to our album Face Off, man. Our album Face Off, man. I, I call it Battle of the Unique Voices. I decided to take two underground, or should I say independent, hip-hop releases from the 2000s and throw them together, throw them against each other. Uh, one of which is by the group Soul Position and their uh, debut, debut full-length LP, 8 Million Stories. Now, Soul Position is a duo comprising of RJD2 and Blueprint. The project, 8 Million Stories, was released October 7th, 2003 on Fat Beats and Rhyme Sayers Entertainment. It clocks in at 17 tracks and 68 minutes and was produced entirely by RJD2. Actually, technically, it was 16 tracks plus one hidden track. Um, And then it's going up against the high and mighty with their album the 12th man um this was their third full-length album released may 31st 2005 on eastern conference records 
It clocks in at 14 tracks in 47 minutes and was produced entirely by DJ Mighty Mind. So, Vince uh, had to log off. So, it's on you, Jamil. And feel free to be as descriptive as you want to be <laughs> in, telling, uh, in telling us which of these albums you enjoyed more and why. Um, I thought this was going to be a slam dunk for... for um the blueprint joint because just rjd2 is a, a better producer than mighty mind by far like so i i kind of went in with that in mind but i listened to the um the 12th man i haven't heard that one in a while and i was a big high and mighty fan too like i really love home field advantage uh at the time i used to bump that a lot and so I was um, playing this, and I was like, oh yeah, I remember why I used to mess with I Mighty, like pretty heavy. Um, and it was a solid project, I think. And there was a couple couple points in there that, that wasn't wasn't really my my cup of tea. I think Mr. Eon lacks a little bit of self-awareness as an MC. Hmm. And what I mean by that is a lot of his complaints like the, the, the people that he's railing against, the, the hip hop hipsters, and essentially he's talking about white kids <laughs> infiltrating the culture. I'm like, my nigga, have you seen a mirror? <laughs> and I I get I get where he's coming from, but I I don't know, I think he's uh you know, been in, involved in the culture so so closely that he yeah, so that part for me was a, a, there's a little bit of cognitive dissonance in his lyrics that was not my favorite. Um, Sean P verse was crazy though. And it was nice to hear his voice too. Both both verses. Both both verses. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the the track in particular. I, also, when I listened to the Twelfth Man. Um, I made a mistake when I started listening to it. I guess I had my my joint on um, random, so I didn't listen to it. Like the first four or five tracks, they weren't in order. And when I realized what I did, I went back and listened to them. But anyway, that kind of um, affected a little bit of how I heard it. But I think it was a solid project overall. The um, Eight Million Stories, uh, another one was dope. The highlight for me was the Candyman joints or Candyland uh, tracks. Yes. I thought, I thought those were cold. Like, and, and for them to not, like, use the same beat for each of them, but to be able to basically, you know, it's nostalgia play and I, and I was here for it, but to be able to do the, uh, essentially the, the Papoose alphabetical slaughter thing, but without making it a big deal he was just like yo i'm just gonna spit this and either you're gonna catch it or you're not which i thought was dope the um yeah blueprint's dope his voice does get to to wear on me after a while <laughs> but i can't really think of, of any skippables off the top of my head from eight million stories so none, really when it at all not that i remember Maybe the Jerry Springer joint, which was kind of funny, but I was like, yeah, I ain't got to hear this one alone. Unless it's something I'm forgetting. Nah, I thought, uh, it, was, you I had, thought it was... 
let's see yeah you had printmatic inhale jerry springer the candy land joints just think f a job look of pain survival F-A job was hilarious uh-huh. um share this was cool run i love to beat on run right place cool. wrong time no excuse for loving and one love and the hidden track it's 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 a it's you know a way in here Inhale wasn't my favorite. I it was it was just okay, but I think at the end of it for me, um, I was although I came in like having the expectation of the eight million stories going to be the winner. Like I said, the um, just from the production, like I just had more familiarity. And kind of a, uh, an affinity for the high and mighty. So I went with the eight million stories. <laughs> my my gut instinct was correct. I feel like, um, and it wasn't just the production. Even though I think the production on the eight million stories was uh, overall better. Mighty might do his thing, but it, I think the the twelfth man started off a little bit slow. Some of the the, the sketches on there I didn't didn't love. I talked about the self awareness issue I had with with Mr. E. Also, just some of the references that he makes um, just doesn't sit well with me. Really? I think I yeah I think I've just kind of aged out of that style. Like he's um, he makes a lot of I think this is just a white rapper thing too. He just makes a lot of weird sexual references that yeah that gets tired uh, that are not very much so, and it's not it's not even like funny or charming like who Keith does it and it's hilarious to me exactly it, exactly it's just it's done in a way that just isn't it's just like look you, you're a pervert like this is not it's not clever maybe the the um what is it unholy matrimony that was interesting that was somewhat clever but it was peppered throughout the album so it kind of kind of spoiled the experience for me a bit but I think that's a me thing more than the quality of the project itself it's just i don't think that i'm rocking with that that sound anymore yeah that kind of it's almost like edgelord type humor yeah and i just i i feel you on that i feel you on that it's not i don't know it's just not the best yeah not the best not the best creative choice i'll say that <laughs> like but um, and maybe we just not the audience for it. Yeah, but it's like, man, I, I was really rocking. When did when did Home Field Advantage come out? Ninety nine. I think it was later than that. Oh, Home Field Advantage. Home Field Advantage was ninety nine. Yeah, that was ninety nine. I mean, he's not he's not spitting terribly different on this on this particular release. It which just came out. Feels- you know, it came out, so it came out six years later. So, yeah, it could it should have been some growth there. It should have been some growth. Yeah, because you had tracks on like the first joint, like like the track "Dick Starbuck" or whatever, and that was that, that was, was a cool track. Yeah, yeah. In and in outs was cool. In outs was like, good. Obviously, yeah. open mic night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A bunch of tracks, hands on experience another one again it, it was funny it was clever right it was and it was explicit but it wasn't like 
it wasn't like corny you know what i mean yes yes and yeah i, I feel you like some of the stuff some of the stuff is is yeah it's a little corny a little corny yeah i got you i got you all right for myself um between these two i like i said i i love listening to these two albums because both these both these these dudes have such unique voices like blueprint has a very like 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 he seemed like he'd be a, a very hyper dude to hang out with in real life yes but, but he has a very um it's something very very earnest about his flow and 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 it's it it underlies a certain passion that he has about what he's actually saying and i like that about him and, and of course mr eon he's got a very you know quirky weird voice that that you know for the most part serves him pretty well um so i had a good time listening to both these albums and it was closer for me than i thought it was going to be there's a lot of tracks on here that on the 12th man in my opinion are just undeniable it garbage it kicks off great with garbage time wonder rama is dope uh, with that with that weird sped up vocal sample like almost sounds like something kanye would have done um yeah. this babylon is dope with the with the violin strings star destroyers is that the one one of the ones with sean p star destroyers uh i don't remember oh, i don't even have it listed on here either i know crack the egg was one of them yeah yeah exactly yeah crack the egg was one of them Damaged Goods is another one that I, I really like. I thought Barbershop uh, Quartet was 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 a was a nice, you know what I'm saying? It was a, it was a nice departure from what I was used to hearing from hip hop at this time. Um, yeah. What else? You already talked about Unholy Matrimony. I love the dark feel of Crack the Egg, and honestly, like I like Dumb. Dumb is like I did not. You didn't like Dumb? Wow. I thought I thought it was I thought the references aged it, but for the time it came out, it, it did its job. It did its job. I think it, yeah, and maybe it was because it was older references. There was a couple lines in there too that I was like, all right, this is gratuitous, and I don't know, maybe I was on my Lord Jamar with it, you know, sacred cow <laughs> and certain things, but. And also the whole dumb, dumb, like, yeah, that, that part I didn't like. And I, I think it was a weak album closer, too. Yeah, I, I, I agree. He shouldn't have used it to close the album. Yeah, this is this is some. Yeah, he, he could have could have went with another one. But like, I don't know, man, like I thought I thought the I thought the <laughs> I thought the 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 references to all the dumb people were were pretty on point. He said, I'm a, I'm a cop shooting a kid, see me on the telly. When he reached in his pocket and pulled out a celly. I'm Portland in 84, drafting Sam Bowie. Uh, I'm the guy on the corner paying quarters for Lucy's. I'm Jordan coming back at age 40. I'm Magic Johnson with no condoms at an 80s orgy. That was funny. Um, <laughs> I'm R. Kelly and Jay blowing all that tour money. Um, That's a, that sounded like hating. <laughs> Yeah, man. Yeah, the famous Stoudemire line I thought was weak. The the Kobe the Kobe line, which he's he's referenced the Kobe accuser a couple times on the album too. Yeah, he did. He did. Uh, 
Yeah, he said, I'm the Lakers trading Shaq, probably wanting them back. I'm Kobe's accuser with too many splats. I'm Howard Dean screaming, Carrie's teeth gleaming. I'm a kid falling down the well every other weekend. Like, yeah, this is very mid-2000s. Like, yeah, very yeah. mid-2000s. So it does, it does age the track. But I can't front, man. I had fun with this album. Like the production was banging. <laughs> like, like it was like I said, those that Sean P, those Sean P tracks, and the um, Reef the Lost, Reef the Lost Cause feature delivered. Th- these these albums are stylistically different. I, I feel that like I feel like the High and Mighty was it, it, it's good, but it's going to appeal to a certain it's going to appeal to a certain type of hip hop fan. Like. Um, Right. Sorry. But the eight million stories is going to appeal to the same fan, but it's also going to appeal to black nerds as well. Yeah. Um, and I'm that for that reason, I'm going to give the slight edge to the eight million stories. Not slight edge, a, a definite edge to eight million stories. And I'm explaining why. I felt the production on the twelfth man was was actually honestly better than the production. Than most of production on Eight Million Stories, um, it's clear that RJD2 dialed it back a bit because he wanted Blueprint to get his bars off. I assume, um, but I feel the Eight Million Stories that album as a whole uh, and and with its variety of subject matter, it encapsulated and it was a better and more accurate display of what underground hip hop actually was in the two thousands very cutting edge production coupled with an MC with a very unique voice and the topics he's touching on deal with toxic relationships um, abusive relationships childhood memories working a dead-end job growing up in a violent community like you know he he touched on a lot of different stuff whereas with the high and mighty you were just kind of getting your same old run-of-the-mill battle bars that they've always brought you know nothing nothing too deep you know what I mean? Nothing too deep. It was still enjoyable, but nothing too deep. And I, I feel like Blueprint gave us a clear, a clear picture of who he is as a person, what makes him tick, what his passions are. And man, I'm a sucker for hidden tracks. I'm a su- I'm I mean, a sucker for for hidden, hidden tracks. tracks. Don't don't really exist anymore though. Like you can't really have a hidden track on a streaming. This is true. But when you see a song and it's 12 minutes long, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and it's, it's silent. It yeah, you know what it is. You know what it is. So it's like, I, I remember buying a CD when it came out and um, yeah. and, and, and and running across the hidden track. And the hidden track is phenomenal. It's got this blueprint, copyright, and Jakarta Motor Mouth just going at it. Going. And, and they all came with it. They all came with it. Pause. <laughs> but like like you brought up candy the candyland joints it's like and one he's alphabetically rapping all the tv shows we watched as kids and the next one he's he's rapping about um uh what was stuff it stuff that you would have enjoyed as a kid as a kid yeah the the different video games the games you used to play outside um the candy uh, the you used to mischief eat. Exactly, exactly. After, and that's after feeling on a girl booty like that. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, and like stuff like that, it, it really um it, it throws you in a nice space. It throws you in a very nostalgic mm-hmm. space. You remember just about everything he's he's, you know, rattling off. 
And it's like, man, this is this is some nice feel good hip hop, you know. But it's a very moody album too, you know. Um, yeah. You know, you got the lighthearted tracks like the Jerry Springer episode, um, but then you have some very heavy tracks like Run and Right Place, Wrong Time and No Excuse for Loving. And yeah, the album, the out al- once the album gets cooking, it's really good. It's really good, and I felt. The album closed stronger. I felt Eight Million Stories closed stronger than the Twelfth Man closed. So, yeah, yeah, I, I, I gotta, I gotta give it to Eight Million Stories. It's like I'm still capable of having fun with the Twelfth Man, but I just if 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 a if a casual rap fan asked me which two of these albums should he check out first, I'm hands down going to tell him the Eight Million Stories. Agreed just because of the emotional depth of blueprint and 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 what he's bringing on these tracks even 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 the songs that don't have the most dazzling production it's like his voice just pulls you in you're like okay the way he's spitting he has something important he wants to say and i need to hear it i need to tune in my ears to hear it you know he's got a voice that commands your attention whereas with mr eon just you know he got a cool voice, but he ain't got he ain't he ain't out here like Blueprint, nah. you know. So um, this was this was a funny time, man, for hip hop. Like, and, and and by funny I mean good in a good way, um, because of the wide variety of styles you had within the underground. You know, mainstream it was a different story, but in the in the mid two thousands when it, in early two thousands when it came to independent rap. It, it was they, it was bringing its it was bringing its creme de la creme material back then. Agreed. Um, you know, and and this album is one of them. Eight million stories, most definitely. But the high and mighty to the twelfth man was 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 dope as well. Um, you know, I was kind of surprised that they kind of still had it in two thousand six or two thousand five rather, because it seemed like none of their raucous contemporaries seemed to have had, still had it at that time. No. I mean, think about it. I'm like, I'm thinking like, who else had follow up albums like Talib Kweli? He had been yeah, gone rusty. Probably the only. I, I wouldn't say that though. I think he was still putting out material. Um, and, and at that time, his his projects were still pretty solid because that was around the time of the Beautiful Struggle and Quality, which were decent albums. I don't think he had fallen mm-hmm. completely off. <laughs> I mean, if you compare it to the early reflecting eternal stuff, then obviously you don't hold up. But I don't think these were terrible projects. Terrible is a strong word, but let's just say forgettable. Fair. Let's just say forgettable. Like, ah, oh, man, I got such. Also, you strong... mean like true magic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have very strong opinions on Talib's post Reflection Eternal uh, material. It was very um, confusing. I'll just say that he he's a he he's had a, a bit of an identity crisis. He he did he did he he's an interesting one. I, I remember we used to do the Magnum Opus section where we were we were we were rate or rank uh, certain uh, artist albums in their discography from from worst to best. And it's like if we did one on him, I, I don't know. I know what's the number one, but like everything else, <laughs> it's like right. Eesh. Questions. 
Yeah, I know what's number one. I know what's number two. But everything after that, it's like, eesh. <laughs> but yeah, there you have it. Um, but let's go ahead. Let's dive off. Let's uh, let's let's cap off this episode like we do every episode. Uh, with another segment of what you're bumping where I invite you to share with the listeners what you've been bumping whether it be new old or just something the listeners have not heard so what you been bumping i have been bumping that uh dmx flesh of my flesh blood of my blood uh the roots chronology uh i started equipment i but i haven't finished it yet because uh, I wanted to bump that return of the G. Mm. And then I just, just let that rock for a little bit. So I got to finish that. Um, was bumping that uh, Ketra Not Anime. That was a Ketra, Ketra Mean, I think it's how the, the album is. Uh, Katrana There you go. I guess that would make sense considering the, <laughs> the two <laughs> folks involved. And I was also bumping that uh, Silk Sonic. And the uh, Anderson Pack Malibu. Oh snap! Okay. Yeah, I'm okay. smoking out the window. Oh man, I forgot about that track. That was a good track. It was. It, it didn't. It didn't catch on like I, I quite wanted it to. <laughs> I think it on. I, I think it did for a certain subsect of the uh, of the community. <laughs> right. Right. All right. B words pretty hard. You're right. <laughs> Oh man, um, for myself, uh, I was bumping. Man, I shout out to Nick, man, DJ Money in the Banks, aka the Spook who sits by the door. He put me on to a new podcast. It's a hip hop nerd podcast, but it's called The Best Rapper in LA. It's hosted by Murs, but he has a episode where he's breaking down like the the recording process and what was going on with him with each one of his albums so like each out al- each each pod episode is covering a different album and um man it's right up my alley bro it's right up my alley so i've been be honest man, i've been bumping that all week but i i as far as music i was bumping uh grave diggers uh six feet deep i was bumping billy woods history will absolve me i was bumping the mad villainy album and I was bumping red man, muddy waters. Mm. But uh um, is all um Yeah, yeah. When it's when it's this time of year and ain't much really dropping, like I just I go back to the classics. Yes, sir. And I just go back to the classics. But um man, that, that reminds me, uh, any album anniversaries for us this week. I'm not sure if they what, what what dropped the first the first week of January? But yeah, it's two over the over thirty five years worth. <laughs> we got uh, yeah celebrating five years. Uh, a ball and MJG classic temper, and then we got to go all the way to nineteen eighty nine wow. to get uh, Fat Boys on and on. Wow! Wow! So not not a lot that first week of the year. Understood, understood. Wow. But we got some classics on the way. 
If you think about stuff that dropped in 94, 2004, and 1999, we got some, we definitely got some things Absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, all right. So that is the show. Uh, Jamil, I want to thank you, uh, as usual, for hopping on and uh, sharing your commentary and making the show what it is. Uh, I will actually, I believe I'll, I'll be taking next week off just to rest and get some, uh, get some things in order as far as my technical setup here in the crib because, uh, my, uh, my computer is on the fritz and, uh, that brings its own, its own set of issues. So I'm going to, I'm going to take off next week to, to, to get some things squared away with that. Hopefully that not too much has to change, but we, we shall see, but we will be back, uh, in another two weeks. Uh, with another show, Mo Topics, another album face-off, and uh, ready to give the people what they want. So, with sure. that, Jamil, I will bid you adieu for the night, and I'm going to say peace. peace. That I come in and just devastate yeah, My style is great, action peoples cannot dominate uh -huh. My rhymes are harder than last night's erection yeah, Don't blame it close, I have this mic up in your midsection uh -huh. My dish is love, simply meaning that my joint is tight yeah, Amping up the mic, making sure production's tight uh -huh. Sometimes I might catch a severe case of riders by yeah, But by yeah. the end of the day, you'll be on my job yeah, yeah, Your name's yeah, yeah. my hobby, put an MC to the test And if you front, I'll put my foot up in your freaking chest Freestyle fanatic, and never will it ever stop Your crew is this you might just want to call the cop. I gotta put some action on paper. Make sure my verse jump up and spread out like the raper. The only tip I got for a waiter is watch the doorknob hit me where the dirty dog should have bit me. That was my train of thought, but for so long I fought. Now I'm at a level supreme to the devil. So turn up the bass and lay low on the treble. You need a willy kids and you dead with the shovel. Revitalize, revital tribe, nigga. The ladies sweat the style like the squirrel sweat the nuts. You know what fellas good for the moolah? Don't smoke no rulers. Be the name, call me slick tip the ruler.